Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Welcome to episode 115 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I'm Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today, welcome Matt Scottoline from Everyone Everywhere and Hurry. Matt and I talk about the Philly scene's connection to the emo revival, Everyone Everywhere's history, and his current band, Hurry. Matt also realizes I came up with isthisbandemo.com, and we have some fun with that site to finish out the episode. Thank you to all that pre-ordered Anthology of Emo volume one if you haven't or want to find out how to get the book go to anthologyofemo.com and thank you to our patreon supporters you literally make this podcast happen finally check out rockabilia.com remember the magazine with the wall of shirts and every one you could possibly think of this is it in real life the site has everything 500,000 to be exact and everything you need go to rockabilia.com This is episode 115 of the Washed Up Email Podcast with Matt Scottoline from Everyone Everywhere and Hurry. was in the water in philly because that was uh it was uh again as someone that was talking about a certain genre of music and at least aesthetic or ethos to think that it kind of bubbled up again was hard to believe it's definitely a question that has come up over the years and i think my take on it is sort of like pragmatic in the sense that um Philly is an interesting place because it's a, it's a bigger city, but it feels like a small town. So it, like, um, you tend to know a lot of people and people see each other a lot and especially in any sort of like music scene, but Philly, uh, because of its proximity to like New York and DC and Baltimore and, um, all of that. And, and because Philly was a pretty cheap place to live. Um, a lot of artists and, and, People who maybe in the past grew up around Philly, but would have like moved to New York or like lived in Brooklyn. Um, you know, they were moving to Philly instead and staying, staying there because in Philly you could pay cheap rent and 
you know, work some sort of day job, but still afford to, um, to pursue what you wanted to pursue. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, but like, as far as like its relation to like the genre of, of emo goes, like I, I couldn't tell you why, why it happened. I think maybe there were a few, uh, bands that people really loved that maybe inspired other people to go after, um, certain, certain sounds or, or ideas. Um, but I also think at the time, like, um, I don't know, I, I like I can, it's, I guess I can only speak for myself, uh, when it comes to it, but I, I think like me and the, the other guys in, in everyone everywhere, um, you know, when we were in high school and stuff, we were just listening to, um, to, to that, to the, to what was happening in, in like the early 2000s in, in that like emo hardcore, uh, like pure volume world, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm sort of, it's this is esoteric. I feel like I'm, I'm losing a little bit. Do no. you want to refocus me maybe? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I, I, I just think there, again, not, there was a scene associated with the revival and it was Philly. Yeah. And it yeah. was bands, it was comedian iron and I think you're right about it's a smaller city, it's a little bit easier to live. There might have been some more opportunities versus if you're in New York or I mean those things happen in the suburbs. New Jersey and Long Island for better or for worse was that time, you know, the mid 2000s. That was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So for Philly to have that and again, it blew my mind that people remembered what those bands were or even that aesthetic or an ethos because at the time it was let's get a tour bus let's be as big as we can let's sell as much mer-. like it was starting yeah. to get so derivative and the you know um anthony from bayside you know he said on a previous podcast he's like it got to be a copy of a copy of a copy and right. to have you to have a scene understand like we're going to try something else and mm-hmm. be ourselves and put on a house show or do these other things or put on a seven inch or find a you know launch a label those things are good and i just saw all of these amazing sounds coming from that city if it was midwest kind of sounding or if it was more like dc or you were hearing all of these things and i could kind of tell everyone was hearing different things in the scene and the pure volume stuff was totally part of that. Yeah. I think like, and, and, you know, I also think a lot of it came at least speaking personally, like when we were all teenagers in high school and, um, uh, if we're in speaking about everyone everywhere, like three out of four of us, we all went to high school together and we had a band together in high school as well. Um, so we were making music together back then when we were still like figuring everything out and, um, you know, we listened to that stuff, but we were also listening to like, we were from Westchester, Pennsylvania and, um, breaking Pangea was from Westchester. And, um, we were, we were all obsessed with that band and that band was not like, they weren't, uh, I'm, I'm using like air quotes. They weren't like a cool band. They um, weren't big either. And, yeah, they weren't big, but in Westchester they were big. You know, yeah, they, no, like, no, no, no. I, like, I was at EVR, or I was friends with the EVR guys when they were working some of those records, and um, yeah. we all thought it was going to be fucking huge. Totally, yeah. It, and, but but it wasn't cool in the same way that like a lot of those like uh, 
more flashy, like Long Island, New Jersey bands were or, like, it was, it wasn't as like, uh, tough, you know, cause I feel like there was that, there was that weird thing where like that style of music was also like trying to appeal to like hardcore kids and, uh, people were like very screamy and, um, I, you know, it's sort of, it existed in its own little world. And, and even in high school, I remember like with our band, you know, we were inspired by that kind of stuff. And like, and then just like straight, like angular guitar things that didn't, you know, they, they were more in that weird time signature range. And, and, um, I remember we, we were, we always wondered like why our band wasn't cool. Um, we would sort of like talk because like we would go to all the local shows and there was a decent scene even in Westchester back then from like all the local bands. And, uh, but like, we never could quite like be one of those, like, you know, chuggy, chuggy, uh, like screamy bands successfully. We would try, but it never worked out because we were, uh, even then we, we were just like more, um, I, I don't know. We couldn't pull it off. Like we naturally gravitated towards, um, music that was maybe like a little less, uh, on trend or, or like flashy and was kind of like strange, um, at least to a lot of other people and not to say we were like doing some like, obscure free jazz or something. <laughs> we were still making like what was really in the end pop music. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like that carried over when all of us moved to Philly after high school. Um, and like we didn't really make music for, for a couple of years together once we moved because we were in college and kind of like taking it all in. But um, I think there were a lot of similar communities around Philadelphia at the time where there were strong local scenes and that like, and a lot of development happened in those little suburban scenes and all those people, because they were all listening to that, like Long Island, New Jersey stuff at the time, all those people moved to Philly around the same time because they were all the same age. And that sort of like also helped get them started because through those bands and suburbs in high school, people sort of started meeting each other, even if they weren't from the same place. So then when they were all in Philly, um, they converged in a, in a strange way. Were they rebelling from it or did it just happen organically? Uh, you can speak, uh, you, you kind of say like, I'm speaking personally. You are, you're on the podcast. You can say whatever you want, but, or you oh, can also yeah, say yeah. like, you can also be like, I think like it's, it's okay if you, you, you pontificate a little bit. Like I, being an outsider, I was like, holy shit, all these kids are like rebelling Yes, they might have been listening to it, but they're like, this isn't everything. Like, you talk about not being able to do the chug-chug. I couldn't do that yeah. either. There's no way I could have, yeah, like, yeah. faked that. But people tried. And you guys, yeah, I, I mean, think we, there's a lot of people went back. To, we, we tried, too, before. Like, that high school band was us trying to do that and not understanding, probably, that we shouldn't be. Um, which I think was the lesson that was then learned in like, as we got older was like, Oh, you know what? Like, why don't we just make the thing that comes naturally and not try to be what, what else is happening? But I don't know. I think it, it definitely didn't happen right away. And I think Philly, um, Philly in particular in like 2005, 2006 was like a very hardcore focused city. Like, um, all the biggest shows were like hardcore shows and there was, 
that was like what like cool bands were at the time. Um, so the, the scene grew like really small, um, as far as all the emo stuff went and, and, um, and, and I feel like it started in like these really isolated patches and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know. I have a hard time do like also because I'm, I'm from our perspective with everyone everywhere, like there was never a conscious decision to like, I don't remember a point where we ever said to ourselves, like, let's try to make this, let, let's try to make music that sort of like harkens back to this time period or this style. No, was I wasn't saying like, that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, no, no. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm saying like you guys just, you, I, when I first met Kevin from Top Shelf, the first thing oh, yeah. I, the first thing I told him, I said, you doing what you do would have fit absolutely perfectly in the nineties when I was going to school. Like the, the, the way that you carried yourself, the way that you, it would just happen to be. There was more, there was internet and there were kind of things were a little faster, but his yeah. like the way that you guys were as a scene and as bands and as a community, I just, I felt instantly connected to it because it was exactly what I experienced uh, in the nineties. And totally. that, that's what that, that I meant, not the sound like you guys were like, well, let's try to sound like American football. Cause I've got enough of those yeah. emails. It's that you guys were doing, it was just like, we're going to come up with this label. We're going to put on a show and then we're going to make out this, you're going to make this seven inch and then we're going to try this. And it was like, I could see everybody learning and you just happened to be totally. coming from this punk ethos that made all these different yeah. sounds. And it's also strange because like we never knew any of it was working <laughs> you know like uh which is almost awesome that, that way totally but and i feel like i have this conversation with people a lot uh i was i was talking to somebody the other day actually who um he was like doing like a, a hired gun role in in like a an indie band that was touring on, on like a pretty big tour um and they had like buses and stuff like it was that level and uh and he said something to me where he was like, he was talking about it and he was like, well, you probably know what that's like from being in everyone everywhere. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, uh, there's this sort of like, I think now that, you know, that period of time that everyone everywhere was making music has sort of been like defined um, in that like emo revival um, like category. Um, and, and after the fact, because people still check that stuff out and, and attach to it. There's like this vibe of like, Oh man, this band was like, this band did really well or, or like people know this band or whatever, but it really didn't, we didn't feel that way almost until we were done kind of, because most of the time we were doing that band, like all the little things we did, like, um, you, you know, like helping to pay for half of the first seven inch we did and sort of like helping, um, helping Bill get like that little evil evil label off the ground uh, that he then did like a bunch of stuff with. Like we were just kind of like we had a very whatever attitude, and and even towards the end, like we we were always really pragmatic and 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 um, kind of pessimistic in a way where where we looked at any any good thing that happened, we were just like, okay, well let's let's milk this for all it's worth and enjoy it on a level where we don't think we're ever going to be successful. 
Um, you know, so like when someone emailed us and was like, Hey, you want to tour in Europe? We were like, cool, a subsidized vacation. Uh, let's, we should do this because like our band sucks and no one will ever care. So like, let's just grab the opportunity. Um, but I think that attitude helped it a lot too, because there was, there was no expectation. And, um, I don't know. We just kind of like did whatever we wanted and, and we're never afraid because we never felt like there was any chance of, of like quote unquote success, you know? Isn't that funny that like, it's when you guys were toward the end, then it's sort of like, Oh man, people are like, paying attention to this and i mean that's how it always is there's always going to be those types of bands but i also yeah feel like you have such a great perspective on it because it was almost like i i view it as when i didn't have the internet and i waited you know that waiting you ordered right. something in yeah. the mail and you actually had to wait more than like two days for amazon prime um totally and i think that's that feeling where the music itself, and yes, there can be bands after that do the same thing, but it's that that awesome little, like, you're not beginning and you're not ending, you're right in the middle where this really earnest sound comes out. And right. I feel like there's such amazing bands that happened, and it got me excited again about music, because I was pretty downtrodden from... You know, okay. I was working at a label. All this shit was chug chug. Warp tour was garbage. Like I just, I right. couldn't handle it. And then I heard stuff from your the fair city of Philadelphia, and sure, it just it gave me life. Yeah, and I think you know there were definitely bands in Philly that I think helped encourage that. And I think you know the obvious one to point to is is. Um, I think like Algernon had a huge impact on people because I feel like there was, you know, people were listening to like American football and like talking about like, Oh man, these records were cool or whatever. But, um, but you still no need somebody like, to see it. You need to see it. You need to see a yeah, band. No one, yeah. Exactly. And then, and then like, you know, Algernon, which and which sort of started as like this, like very weird thing. They became like this great example of that. And I think a lot of people got like super excited in Philly. Cause they were like, Whoa, these guys are actually doing that thing and it's cool. And I think that that also helped sort of not that like, I feel like this, I'm divorced a little bit from this because while we were, we are, were and are very good friends with um, all the, all the people in Algernon, we never like their music was never too, like too similar, but a lot of fans, I think, and us included, like, saw the example of, like, oh, yeah, you can make a band and, and try to, like, uh, play this kind of music even though you think no one cares about it or, like, it might be weird yeah. or something. What uh, other bands from that time? Like, Snowing was another? Yeah, I would say Snowing was, like, like right... My my memory of it is sort of they were one of the the protege band that's a weird term to use, but like after Algernon, I, I always felt like they, they were like younger and um, like took that, took that, that, that sort of idea and ran with it in their own way. Um, Are there bands yeah, that people I mean, didn't know that, that, that should like around that time? I mean, there were a lot of, I'm trying to think. I Everyone mean, everywhere. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. No, yeah, no one knew about that. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like it was a it was a time where like almost everybody got at least some form of recognition. And I know I'm forgetting people. Um, I know that there was one band that we were all friends with that was called um, Jet Set Sail. Um, and they were like, you know, they were friends with everybody in the scene. And I feel like they never quite like got any attention, um, but they were like, they were around and they were playing shows and we played like a million shows with them. Um, but we were also like pretty insular. Like we, I feel like, everyone everywhere was definitely just an excuse for all of us to hang out with each other uh, more than anything else. And we were also like a pretty, like we were friends with everybody. We didn't like hang out with other bands that much, except for like uh Sprainerd who were like, huge, like really good friends of ours. Um, and Algernon was, those guys were close friends. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, I, I struggle to think of any bands that, were like completely obscured um, because I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe it's just like my perspective on it that like everyone feels very real to me because I was there. And You're like, in it. Yeah. Everybody hate it. Like when they were like being called emo revival, like what were the, what was like the, we were pretty thoughts? resistant to it. Um, yeah. We would always, we would always ask like why we never thought we were an emo band, I guess. Um, you know, because if you listen to our band from high school, it, it sounds different, but it's kind of just the way, like, when when with the core of us, like, get together and make music, like, everyone everywhere is just kind of what comes out. Um, and obviously, it's informed by, like, what we all like. But, um, yeah, I think when the emo label is getting thrown around, we were kind of always like, well, we don't sound like those bands why why would you call us that um but you know we did embrace it on some level but we always had sort of this like uh it was like a, a comedically antagonistic relationship with it it was, it was like a little tongue-in-cheek but we would like kind of go after people who would who would call us that early on were other bands the same way were they like we're just making punk rock mm, i don't think so i i think a lot of people embraced it faster than us, but um, I don't know. I think we were, our, our personality was kind of just to like, uh, I don't know. We, 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 we relished in the opportunity to be contrarian, I guess, mm-hmm. at times. I, um, I, I find it funny now that if, uh, let's say a band is considered that and they're get some tours and, release a couple records and or maybe just one and all these things happen and then their next record comes out and they're like hey just just to let you know we're 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 an indie rock band now yeah like it's sort of like they're above the word which i've always found hilarious that people want it to to it's kind of like they're using it as like stepping stone but then as soon as they're past it they don't want to acknowledge it ever again totally yeah i feel like i hear about I hear, I hear people like sort of, um, bringing that up a lot. Like a, a lot of like journalists, uh, that I, that I know or like follow on Twitter or something. I, I feel like I see that sentiment a lot. And I, I've definitely witnessed it too. And that wasn't really like, we never, I don't want it to be confused with us ever like taking ourselves seriously because it was almost the exact opposite of that. Um, 
it was just more of like a we were it, it was a curiosity to us that, that like this scene had started because obviously it wasn't like a conscious thing and I don't I doubt any music scene ever is um so do you feel like there was but, a less of a there, there was a there was a I'm trying to say this right there wasn't as big as connection to emo as people think no i i mean i think a lot of people were listening to that music and i think a lot of people were talking about it and there i think there were people who like consciously started bands to pay homage to bands in that in that canon that they that they enjoyed but um i don't know I don't want to paint everyone everywhere as like the outliers or something. Cause I don't think that's like true. Um, but, but we definitely never, and we, it, for us, it was never a conscious decision to say, we're going to do this. It was just sort of like, this is how we know how to write music together. And it sounds like this because we like that music. Um, but, but we also felt like we never, sounded like those bands even even when we would try to like pull off certain tricks that other people did we'd always be like well it's not quite like that um but but yeah but i i I do think i do think there were bands that were more conscious of it or were more aspirational to to like go for a certain sound in particular um and i feel like even like uh, I feel like even Astronaut was, was one of those bands that was like very obviously influenced by like the Tim Kinsella stuff. And, um, and certainly they had like their own style and, and like did their own thing with it. But um, I don't know. That's like, I feel like that's a good example, but it's also an example that a lot of people then start, they were like, Oh, Algernon is my model now. Um, and like, and kind of followed it from there. So, it was kind of like this cool evolution where it did, it really did become its own sort of like focused. You're right. Silly thing. It did. It's, it was, it may have started from like a small few things, but those bands then sort of sprouted off other ones, which then totally. defined the world. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense, which is cool. I think again, it came from like an organic place and um, I'm sure you know the again that when i brought up you know sort of the the word uh and people not wanting to be associated i didn't mean you guys in general i just think there's even bands no, today no, no. there's even bands today that are like i think they like dread if i if i cover them <laughs> you know well, yeah like, i mean and there there always is i think i think i feel like your circumstances are different cuz i feel like most people in the know like understand what you're doing and like and like what you're about, but there's always going to be that stigma with the word emo because, because of all like the hot topic stuff and, and like that, that like co-option of, of the term. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we, I definitely don't mean to, to like disparage the association because, you know, we definitely, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. Okay. Yeah. Like we like, we like emo music, obviously. And, um, and, and like, I'm, I know I personally feel happy to to have been a part of something that people like think about and and um and music that people enjoy or, or like a scene that people you know enjoy as a whole like that that's cool but on the ground it was very like organic and and no one knew what was happening like um I, like I remember a few years ago one of the last shows everyone everywhere really played was uh, Sprainerd did like a reunion show in Philly. 
um, this was probably like three or four years ago. And, and, uh, so like they're old friends and, and they did this reunion and we played a show together. They asked us to open and we played and, and we probably hadn't played together in close to a year. And, uh, it was this huge sold out show in Philly. And all these people were there and we were always thinking to ourselves, like both of these, both of our bands are essentially doing reunion shows right now. And, this bill like screened everyone everywhere probably happened like 45 times over like a three year span in Philadelphia. And you know, we, there would be like three and a half people there, uh, like in like somebody's like dirty basement somewhere. Um, so it was like, it, it it was like on one hand it was amusing because it was like, wow, like I wish you people were around a few years ago. (laughs) Like things would probably be a lot different right now. Um, but on the other hand, it was just, it was, it was cool to like, to see like kind of now being outside of that or like past that scene because that moment in time is gone. Um, it was cool to see like, Oh, people remember it and like are excited to like engage with it again or think about it. Um, which I think is a testament to the sound, you know, the, which I had thought you guys remembering the Kinsella stuff which when I started the website, there was no one talking about American football online. I am dead right. serious. There might have been one other person in like Russia um, and, <laughs> or like somewhere else in, in, in the U.S., maybe Brazil, but like no one. Yeah. And so to have a, a, a music like people are people talk about Algernon, people talk about snowing, they talk about your band, they talk about mm-hmm. Philly in this positive light that I think over time – you being associated with that, there might be opportunities later on down the road. Um, and it's great that you guys got sure. to have that toward the end. One of those little last times you played to have all those people there because people also forget that American football played t- 12 total shows <laughs> and right. Right. when they were around and there wasn't, there yeah. were people there. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's really, it's kind of uh, kind of wild. So I guess that's the, the guess that's the key. Play twelve shows. Don't play to anybody. Release an album and then wait. <laughs> yeah. The tricky thing is your music has to be good. Yes. <laughs> that's that's the hard part. But, yes. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, the timing I, and music. It, it, no, it is really it, it's it's cool. Like and and we did get it was funny. Be it was it was ironic because because towards the end when you know everyone everywhere we never like we never really broke up, you know, we just sort of like faded out, um, as like each of us sort of like grew up a little bit and like certain people went on to do different things. Um, so, but it was cool. Like the last few shows we played were all, they weren't reunion shows, but they were like, we'd go, you know, we'd go like six to eight months between shows and kind of like, reconvene with each other because we weren't like seeing each other as often anymore and and then we get to play these like really cool big shows somewhere and uh and people would be excited so it was kind of a cool way to like finish up with that but you know it's always unsatisfying on some level when you have that that like nagging feeling of like oh it's a shame it's a shame this is working now when like we're no longer interested in making it work yeah which I guess isn't that I mean how it always is? It's like as soon as yeah, you miss pro- it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other fun times from that era? I think a lot of people, you know, again, it's it's 
it was 10 years ago that that sure. I or maybe and 9 I guess when it was sort of starting hearing and then all the press in 09 and 10 which I thought was insane you know I every day I'd wake up and yeah. there'd be another another person talking about this when and I think tiny engines is a big part of that too I agreed. think that that has to that has to be mentioned because they you know when we first when when they first hit us up here's a funny like behind the scenes story uh, when, after we did our first seven inch, uh, which was on, it was, it was on evil weevil records, which was our friend, Bill, who was like a very old friend of ours. And, and, um, after that tiny engines had just started and they were like a seven inch label, I guess they, had, they did, I think, uh, look Mexico seven inch. They were about to do tiger's jaw seven inch. Um, and, they hit us up because they were like, we thought we were only going to do seven inches, but we kind of want to try doing a full length and we'd be interested in doing yours. But at the same time, this other label called mightier than sword hit us up and they, they were interested, but they were also reissuing, uh, the blink One Eighty Two records on vinyl. Um, like, like the, like the big famous ones, I guess somehow they got like the rights to repress those and they were the first people to ever repress them. Um, so like we were like kind of torn between these two things and we were like, wow, this label, this label is going to be huge. They have the 182 records. And uh, we were kind of like, we were sort of like really kind of taken, taken with that a little bit. Um, Cause it was, it was like a very shiny proposition. Um, but Chuck who, who runs tiny engines made like a pretty, he sent us like a pretty impassioned email um, when he knew that we were also talking to them and uh, he kind of won us over with that. But so, so like we were really, I guess that story is really funny in the sense that we were almost on the same label that was reissuing uh, Blink-182 albums. <laughs> and, uh, and if that had happened, we, I mean, we probably would have faded into obscurity very quickly and I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. But uh but yeah, like we ended up going with tiny engines and I feel like tiny engines, like Chuck's experience. Cause I think he worked for deep Elm and I and, met, um, that's how I met Chuck. Okay. Yeah. yeah so he like, was, uh, he, he was working at deep Elm and he sent my college radio station, the Canberra record. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. Many but, moons but, before were, everyone, before anyone listening right now was alive. So <laughs> <Just kidding>. yeah. <laughs> well, like, and, and we were obsessed with deep Elm too. Like, uh, like, Appleseed Cast was one of our favorite bands in high school, and and you know I feel like we would, I feel like in high school I saw them play all the time, and and like you know I like my first like car I got when I was sixteen I had a huge Appleseed Cast sticker that I made in like we had like a shop that had like a vinyl cutter, and like we were obsessed with that stuff, so that also like really drew us to Chuck because we were like oh my god this guy's part of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like Tiny Engines had a huge amount to do with, with that whole like revival thing and um, the way they sort of like smartly got the PR out there and and, and um, the people they were working with. Like, I guess they, I don't know, they just really, Chuck and Will definitely knew what they were doing. And um, I, I feel like a lot of it would not have happened uh, if not for them. 
Yeah, they were definitely some of the first emails that I, I was getting about bands and, hey, this is going on. This is this band. And way before any the seven, eight PR emails I get now um, about, totally. about the music. So, yeah, they were definitely – it's worth mentioning if people want to go back and check out early Tiny Engine stuff um, from that time period. It was just like that's where – that's where a lot of these things were starting. So that's definitely good to bring up. Yeah. And they were working with like people who now, I feel like a lot of the bands back then, at least from my memory are people that people still like, at least think about or listen to. Um, you know, I remember like whatever year it was like 2010, we went down to Charlotte where tiny engines was based and like we were playing with restorations. Who was like another Philly band that was on Tiny engines. Um, and um, I, I don't know. My memory's failing a little bit, but but they were there. There was there was they were doing a lot of cool stuff back then, and we were definitely lucky to be a part of it because it added it offered us more opportunity to like to try to be a band that I feel like we wouldn't have had because there weren't really any other like labels that I think ever would have pressed that record we made. It probably would have just gone on Bandcamp, and we would have hoped people heard it. Yeah, no, and then they it was almost like you getting into a college that ended up doing really well in a sport and getting more like PR. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it, we had very little to do with it. It was all them um, because we, you know, we, we had no clue what we were doing. And, um, you know, we tried to tour on that, that first album, like a DIY thing we did, and it was a complete disaster. How come? Um, so, like... Uh, you know, just no one, no one went to the shows. It was just, people would always ask me like, uh, like why didn't everyone everywhere ever tour? And I was like, Oh, we did tour, but, uh, no one went to it and it was awful. Um, <laughs> you know, we would, we would have fun cause we were hanging out with each other, but I can't remember any tour we ever did that had like a good show on it. Uh, maybe once there was one weird time where we did a tour and we played in Jacksonville with title fight. And that show actually had people at it, which was cool. Um, because title fight, even back then was like very popular. Um, so, but yeah, like we were never like, we were never a great, we were never great at being a band, uh, in, in like the professional sense of like, we're going to go on tour. We're going to do the right things. We're going to get people out to shows. We're going to sell merch. Uh, we pretty quickly became disinterested in that. And instead, I think a lot of our success came from um, our disregard for doing things the right way. And I think a lot of people kind of enjoyed that and latched on to like the irreverency of, of what we were trying to do. Um, Cause in a lot of ways, I feel like my, the thing that I'm most proud of with everyone everywhere. And I, I feel like, I feel like the other guys would agree with me is, is, um, just like how strange some of the stuff we did was and how, how many like unconventional risks we took in how we presented the band and like, and like operated as operated the business of everyone everywhere, you know, um, just like not really caring if the ideas were good and, and then throwing our own money at them because we thought it was funny. 
I mean, that's the that's where the that's where the good things come out of. It isn't the you sure. guys getting all together and being like, "All right, we're going to add the chug chug part here, and then we're going to add <laughs> this here, and then this merch is going to look exactly like that band's because we want to do." And I know that that's sometimes subconscious where you want to be yeah. successful and it's not. But for you guys to kind of be like, "All we want to do is hang out. This is fun." That's when I connect. Right. That's when I connect with it mostly where it's like, this is for a different purpose. Right. Yeah. And I think, and, and I don't think even now, like as someone who's like still trying to like be a band, I like, I can't even capture that same love. I try to like preserve that because that's just like who I am as a person. But, um, there's also just something to be said about being in, in our early twenties and, uh, you know, (laughs) having the ability to just like not care, and uh, uh, it's definitely something that that I feel like is a time and place thing. But but I agree with you. Like I, I feel like I feel like a lot of the people that started noticing us started noticing us because of uh, what I'll refer to as our antics. Um, even though you know they may have then like checked out the music because something grabbed their attention and then enjoyed it, but. Um, but I think there's also there's definitely something to be said for for um, you know doing things unconventionally and and like getting people's attention that way. Um, and I guess I'm speaking more less from a musical standpoint, more from like a marketing standpoint. Yeah, which again, that's that's part of it. There's no there's no fault with there's marketing. There's no fault with trying to have your music be heard by as many people as possible. I just have a problem when it's forced and not what you really want to do. You know, like there was yeah, totally. It was like a certain genre of music was popular, and then the next day at school, there's all these bands making that sound. Where it's like, right? Why don't you make the sound you want to make, which was going to be more honest and actually better? It just, I guess, I have a hard time with something that someone's being forced, and you guys weren't forcing that. It was like, this is what we want to make. This is what it sounds like. You just happen to be a part of this community that was uh, interested in different sounds, and you were all kind of the same age and seemed like in the same circles. So I was going to mention uh, with with your new band Hurry um, doing a yeah. lot of charity releases, which I think goes in part to what you were talking earlier about sort of kind of doing your own thing and for a bigger cause. Like doing those things aren't easy. It's not like, uh, but it's it's something that sometimes you want to do because you feel it so much that you need to help. Totally, yeah, and I think you know we've been given a lot of opportunities to do that like whether it's from um like our label lamo that we're working with who has ideas or more recently like i don't know i feel like when i um like more recently we we do this like halloween show in philly every year that's like kind of a party i i I have it more just so i have like a fun thing to do on halloween um than like have to figure out like a social thing to do um but I think some of it ties into like the root of everything we're talking about where like with everyone everywhere, there was never an expectation of success. It was like, let's just make the best of this thing. However we can. And even today I sort of feel that way where it's like, well, I'm going to go through the trouble of booking the show. Maybe like something positive can happen from it. That's like not self-indulgent, you know? 
And then for you guys, as uh, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about your band now that you've had. We have three records um, that you've been doing. You're still you're still plugging away, and this sound is a little more indie rock, a little more Brit pop, I think. Um, yeah. Have how has it been getting out from under the emo label? It's been a little weird. Um, I guess I think I I was I sort of naively like when I started like putting it out there, I, I kind of thought like, Oh, well, you know, right around now, everyone everywhere is doing pretty well. Like people are in that sort of like fading out part that we talked about where, where things were going better. I was like, Oh, well, like all these people will be interested to hear this other music. And, uh, I found out that wasn't really true. Um, at least not like as easy as I thought it would be. So, it was a little, it was cool in a, in a sense because it, it brought me back to like that, like no stakes feeling, um, pretty quickly. And, uh, and that feeling like remembering what it was like to play shows to nobody again. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely been things where I've, I've like tried to go after opportunities, like, you know, playing, there's a very big, uh, annual festival uh, uh that happens every year that um i was trying to get hurry on and uh this is like one example and it's a thing i i played at in the past with everyone everywhere and i emailed the uh the person and said hey you know i've got this new thing i'm really like trying to uh play it would be really cool if there was any opportunity and and like the response was like um basically like yeah sure if you can also have everyone everywhere play we'll let your new band play and it's like and that kind of thing can be like kind of crushing when it happens because uh you know it's always hard when you're like pouring yourself into something and someone like people are like okay good for you but uh why don't you go back in time and do the thing you did when you were in college (laughs) like i i can't you know it's always it's it's tough to I feel like it's a, it's like a, a trope of like the person who is in a band that people really like, and then they start their next band and people are like, eh, I like the old band better. Um, and I don't think we draw that many comparisons. And I think a majority of the people who listen to hurry probably don't listen to everyone everywhere. There's, I don't think there's a lot of crossover. I, I think like hurry we've, we've been fortunate for many of the same reasons that I think everyone everywhere was fortunate. I think, because I've carried that attitude of like, I'm just going to be kind of goofy and not really care and not do, do or say the right things. And not like, I'm, I'm not a shock jock or something just like, uh, I don't know, being earnest. I feel like earnesty is sort of like the theme of how I've always tried to carry myself in the music world. And, uh, so I think, you know, I've been lucky with her that that's gotten certain people to notice and we've gotten a lot of cool opportunities. Um, so it's been it's been interesting where I've sort of like been building it from the ground up. And Hurry is different too. It's also the first thing that's been entirely mine, whereas Everyone Everywhere was like extremely collaborative, um, where like everyone was involved in, in pretty much an equal capacity in the creation of everything. Um, so it's also it's been it's been weird to do something that was like 100% mine and I was responsible for it. And also a little terrifying because failure hits a little harder when, um, 
but it's when it's all on you kind yeah. of yeah well also too i mean you're saying that the you thought you were leaving this band on this high and people were going to pay attention and it was kind of like nah and i think that's such an interesting piece about music and how people like you know there's certain people that are fans of the people or the band or a certain album and you're not going to convince everybody but i mean right. I've, I've told this story where i um patrick stump from mm-hmm. uh, everyone knows what band he's in um yeah. he did a solo he had a solo record and toured with a band that i was working and i remember going to the Whoa. show and he could not get arrested no one cared no one listened wow. and I was like, what is going on? He's this guy from this band everyone loses their shit over. What is going mm-hmm. on? And, you know, Pete's hardcore bands were the same thing. You know, when he yeah. in between so but then when they all came back together, that's what everyone wanted. And right. it's just an interesting thing about a fan where uh you know, it's they some for some reason only want this one thing from a person when as you evolve in an age, you make different music. And I think it's an amazing success. And I have no problem with some band that has been able to keep their fans for an extended period of time, because at some point, you know, that kid stops listening to that kind of music and moves on. And it's, I think it's a skill to have that longevity. Um, right. But it's also a shock for you guys, for you being like, wait a minute, I thought I had all these people that like my band. And I'm sure yeah, some mean, did. I'm sure some did. And then it's hard to get people. The reason I brought up about getting from under the emo label is that when you mm-hmm. go send out your record, what's going to be said? X right. everyone everywhere. And then someone's going to be like, all right, well, it's an emo band. Forget it. Or, oh, that's cool. I'll check that out. But it doesn't sound like that. Like, it's this kind of like you got strikes against you when maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I learned pretty quickly that the X Everywhere thing was, like, not helpful at all. And it was almost like lose-lose because, like you said, it was either somebody saying, like, oh, well, it's just, like, another... They'll either say, like, oh, it must just be another emo band, or on the other hand, the way it's presented is, like, this person from Everyone Everywhere, ha- they're they're doing, uh, like, an indie rock band now or something, and someone's like, okay, well, I don't care about... Like, either way, it kind of can be presented bad you know, um, and I think, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think um, it was probably naive of me to to think it would translate so easily in that, like, and I didn't have any expectation of like, oh, well, like, I'm instantly going to have the same amount of people interested. Uh, you know, I didn't feel that way, but uh, I think when you're making the music, it's easy to it's easy to forget the way that like people are consuming music and like what that feels like and how personal like ends can feel to somebody. Um, and it, you know, whereas for me, it's like, well, that thing was me and this thing is me. So like someone who likes one, one thing I did will probably like another thing I did is, is like, I think that was a naive way to think because that's not really how, a lot of people uh, interact with music and some people do like, like nerdy people. I feel like, I feel like I do that, or you probably do that where like, you're going to follow, you're going to go down the rabbit hole and be like, okay, what did the keyboard player from this band go on to do? And like, and like listen to that and stuff. But um, I don't think a lot of people do that because a lot of people like bands 
catch your interest and they mean something to you and you stick with that. And that's how you feel about that. But it doesn't mean you're going to feel about that or you're going to feel that way about like the next thing that happens with those people or, or yeah. an individual from that. It's hard. Uh, but I think for you to kind of do something really different and continue it, I think is awesome, you know, to have three records and have it kind of be completely different and kind of going out in a different way and presenting it um, is a big step. And you hope that you've got new people that are paying attention and that you're appreciative of the past, but also understanding that that's not everything. Totally. And it was sort of like inevitable too. like the, you know, the fact that it's so different, I think started almost not, not literally as an act of rebellion, but like in a way where it was like, this is, I'm doing this on my own and it's very different than everyone everywhere. Cause I did start it when everyone everywhere was still a band. Um, I just didn't like play shows or anything. I just sort of was making these songs on my own, but, um, the sort of like the way everyone everywhere sort of like faded away was because there was like, we were all sort of like evolving in our tastes and preferences and, um, you know, even the the last Everyone Everywhere album, like when we were writing it, it wasn't contentious or anything, but there were definitely like philosophical disagreements on like how things should sound. And, and uh, you know, I remember one of the songs on the record, we were writing it and when it was over, two of us were like, oh, that was like, that was the coolest thing we've ever done. And then like another person was like, that was the worst thing we've ever done. <laughs> um, and like, and welcome not in a welcome we to were, being in a band. <laughs> yeah, and not in a way where we were like mad at each other, but just in a way where it's like, oh, we no longer all love the same music. Um, or like we we all sort of are like trying new things. And, um, you know, I had started being more and more drawn to, to just like making pop music. And, and like, and also I, I, I wanted to play guitar again, which in everyone where I, I was playing bass, and uh, I had been a guitar player before that, but I, it's like a weird, that was another funny thing where it was like, the, I remember the first time we were like getting together to have everyone everywhere practice. It was sort of up in the air, like who was going to play what? Um, Cause we all sort of could like play whatever. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I'll play bass. Like, why not? Cause in my head I was like, well, this is just going to be for like today, you know? And then it went on to be like the only instrument I played for, for years and years. Wow. Um, just kind of by accident. Um, but again, that's like this, the thing where it's like, there were no stakes attached to anything. Everything was just sort of like, we did everything under the guise of nobody cares. And, uh, so, but, but doing starting hurry was, was like me being a frustrated guitarist playing bass and, in everyone everywhere, I feel like I was always trying to play bass like it was a guitar because I wanted to play guitar. Um, but I started playing doing hurry because I was like, oh, I want to make, I want to make songs on my guitar and I want to like play guitar solos and like kind of like nerd out on my own. And um, so it started that way and, and kind of grew naturally from there. And and when everyone everywhere was slowing down, I was like, I still wanted to play music and, and wanted to play shows. So it sort of motivated me to do it and brendan from everyone everywhere was in hurry for a long time when it started um because he kind of felt the same way but he wasn't he was writing some music uh on his own at the time um but not like anything that he was like ready ready willing to perform 
so he was like joined up with me for a while. How has it been? The, you know, what's the, has been anything cool that sort of happened or, um, you know, I know that there's it's, been some, been, I think there's been some cool stuff happening for you guys. Definitely. I mean, we, we've been really, really lucky. Like we, uh, like one of the first tours we did, like we, we were doing a lot of like weird, like one-off stuff in Philly where like my will in the music scene allowed us to like open for cool bands and like play cool shows. And, and I had a lot of friends still. And, and that was the time where like a lot of people from the emo scene were all, all doing new things. So I feel like we banded together that way. Um, you know, like I remember like early on playing shows with like Japanese breakfast because Michelle had just like stopped doing little big league and started doing that. And we were playing these like house shows together. And, um, there was like a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like we, I, I did one show where we got to open for, for yuck and, and like met them and hit it off. And then they took us on tour. Uh, and that was really cool. And, um, I don't know, like the, we got hit up by like not a surf and we got to play with them just like really cool, like lucky opportunities and like relationships that, that have come about. And I feel like, um, I don't know, just, I definitely think it's all luck, but I think some of that luck is attached to the way the Philly scene evolved and the way that like, um, you know, even though everyone everywhere is in a band and that scene sort of like changed and went away, um, the fact that people remember it and, and remember it fondly and, uh, you know, that it exists in that capacity, I think allowed, allowed me more opportunity because people, people were willing to like give me chances and, um, and connect me with people. And, um, they gave my music a chance because of that. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. And, 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 uh, and Lamo records and like modern baseball, I feel like I have to like really shout out modern baseball because, um, those, those guys, like I, I met them whenever, whenever it was still a band cause they would come to the shows that we'd play in Philly cause they were, they're probably like four years younger than me. So they were like freshmen in college when we were like finishing college. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like they, they've been amazing and, and super cool. And I feel like a lot of the initial like push that hurry got came from like modern baseball, like essentially giving us their stamp of approval to their like hordes of fans. Um, so, uh, I like them and Lamo combined, I, I think are like responsible for all of the success we've had. Um, granted, I guess some, on some level people have to like our music, but, um, but other than that, I think like I would, I would credit them with, with a lot of it. And, and, uh, Chris Farron as well, who has been like an amazing, amazing friend and supporter, uh, for no, like even before I was like actually friends with Chris, we, like we played one show with fake problems and like did not even interact years and years ago. Um, but he's been like super supportive and put himself out there and like helped us, uh, with opportunities. And, it, you know, he's given me like advice because he knows a lot more about this crazy music world than I do. But I think that's the, the biggest change is like all these people from, from that emo revival scene in Philadelphia that like, we were just like, uh, college kids who like didn't know what was going on a lot of those people now are like deeply involved in like how the scene operates and how and not even just in philly but just like 
on a bigger platform because some of them are like booking agents now or some of them have their own labels or they're like whatever it is or they work for work for labels or or all that so i think the biggest change is now that we're all at that age together things have gotten like weirdly professional um and maybe it's weird maybe it's only weird me but uh but i feel like i it was more of a shock to my system to like feel like i had to start like navigating that world a little more because i never i never remember we like we never had to do that um i love I that though i love that the i mean that's exactly the I, I was kind of thinking about that as you were talking. It's like you've got – I was about to bring it up and you did it yourself. It was like this community where, yeah, the guy that you hung out with and fake problems is now here and now he can help you and you're doing this thing. Yeah. Honor Baseball is in this position because they got really – they got this big success and now they're – it's almost like you know all boats rise as everybody sort of gets successful and you're able to help each other and they're going to help you no yeah. matter what. You're like, oh, you're doing hurry? Cool. I'm going to help you. Or you've got this other thing or you're do, running a label now. Well, I just saw this new band last Thursday. You go, should go check them out. All <laughs> those kind of like things, you do that because you're comfortable with everybody and you want everyone to succeed. Totally. I feel like I should also give Evan Weiss a shout out too. I feel like, uh, not, not Who? that he's going like to Who's that? I'm just joking. I'm uh, joking. Evan. I'm joking. I'm yeah, joking. Not, uh, <laughs> I, not, it, I, it, it's funny to think about Evan listening to this episode and like then calling me angry, which I don't think will actually happen, but I feel like I need to say like, we, like we met Evan when we were still like 16 or 17. Cause our high school band played with the progress sometimes. And, uh, but I feel like, from that point, Evan has also offered us, uh, I said like tiny engines and after, right after them, I would put Evan as someone who helped everyone everywhere with a lot of opportunities and then has even helped hurry with a lot. Cause you know, he's asked us to play a lot of different shows with him, um, to have hurry with him, which like he has no good reason to do. <laughs> like the only reason he would do it is, is because he's a good friend. Um, and like, he likes hanging out with me, I guess, but, uh, but yeah, like he, you know, going back to your point before about people who like keep a fan base for a long time, like I feel like Evan is like the model of success for that, of like staying the course, doing what you want to do and not changing it. And like eventually people catch on. And I feel like he's a great example of someone who plugged away for a long time and uh, like made it happen for himself. And also doing so many different things. If it's pet symmetry, uh, yeah. you know, I just feel like there's, it, it turned into where, well, I need to listen to this Evan thing because it could sound like this. It could sound like that. Like <laughs> you didn't know, right. but you at least knew that, uh, you trusted it and you wanted to give it a shot. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's been, he's been hugely supportive. Uh, so I, I got to, I got to include him in the conversation just in case, just in case he's listening. Uh, I don't want him to be mad at me. <laughs> don't so be mad, Evan. To, please don't be mad. Is there anybody uh, else you need to mention so they don't get mad? I don't think so. I think I feel like I've, uh, I, I don't want to, don't want to thank Kevin Duquette from Top Chef. I definitely don't want to thank him. No. Okay. Uh, no, but, uh, that's a joke. I hope that makes – don't edit that out because I want him to hear that if he listens. Um, oh, Kev dog. But no, like wh what you said before about the community, like the way – I think the way everyone was flying by the seat of their pants 
in like early 2010s uh and like everybody was like helping each other out and not and and everything was so small then the fact that like all these people then grew and and like found their place in the music world um that that evolution of the community has been really cool and, and i feel lucky that i'm a part of it in any way um and it's been cool the way that people have been you know, willing to help each other because that's not something that really happens. I feel like the music world is pretty fiercely competitive and, and everybody it has like a lot of anxiety all the time uh, because everything feels so tenuous. And uh, so like the fact that there's still that community of people who's willing to help each other um, and and like the, you know, the, the the way like people are tied back so long, like it's it's interesting to think about. I feel like, they're very frequently I'll be like hanging out with someone and uh, you know, I'll get like misty thinking about how like, I'm like, Oh my God, we've known each other for like 15 years and we've like, done all this like crazy music stuff together. And now we're here like doing music stuff as adults. And uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's definitely like I'm enjoying this conversation because I feel like it's making me reflect on that time period of my life in a way that I don't often do because just like anyone with any part of their life, like you probably feel a certain sense of nostalgia, but you don't think critically about like what was happening, but it's kind of cool right now talking to you, thinking about what was happening and, and like what it all, what, what, what it all kind of means or meant or it's important. Not that Matt, it's yeah, important I mean, that, that the, the Philly scene. And when I heard those bands in Oh nine and 10, it reinvigorated me. It reminded me that there's kids that know what real fucking music is and they weren't just trying to get on Hot Topics wall, t-shirt wall. Like there was like this feeling of I need to do this because I have to make this music. And I felt right. it so strongly. And there's a reason why Evan and you are still talking. There's a reason why you guys are still talking because it's not this sort of superficial like they want everybody. Yes, there's going to be success of like I want to be big and you're going to have. But overall, when you're hanging, it's like, yeah, we want modern baseball to do that because they're bros about like there there's a community and sometimes when i hear from bands and they're like hey how do i get big or how do i do and i go the first thing is like go hang out <laughs> like right. hang out in your town hang out with other bands like you're going to be better together you're not going to be better you know you might be better as like being home and like playing online and like finding people that way but there's something to being in that city or being whatever your town is and connecting with other people face to face. And yeah. I think Philly did a really good job of that. And it's showing the fruits of that by you're growing up and you're still being, you're still together. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that's harder to maintain the older you get, I think, which is probably an obvious thing to say. Um, and I think about that a lot too, how like it just, granted a lot of these people have like moved on or like, I don't know half the people in the scene as I used to in Philly. Um, and a lot of the people are still around and like, I see them frequently, but not in the same way. Like it's not, we're not seeing each other like at a basement show somewhere. We're seeing each other like at the coffee shop or something. And, um, but, uh, but I also always think about how like I know and I've seen and witnessed because hurry plays these shows sometimes that there's like, there is like this new scene of people 
that are, you know, in college now in Philly and are doing the same thing. So I feel like, you know, it's only a matter of time before people like a generation younger than us are like talking about whatever's happening now that I'm not even aware of in, in Philadelphia. Um, and like, it's going to do its own thing. And, and like, isn't that exciting you know, to think about? Yeah, for sure. And I feel, I always, I like, yeah. Be, and because like hurry has been like a very DIY thing since I started doing it, you know, we've played a lot of basement shows in Philly with like people a lot younger than me. Um, who are like in college and I see like their community and, and even people who are like, man, like they're, they've graduated now that are like, um, you know, that Ben Weller. Yeah. Like, like I remember like when I met, uh, Jeremy who's in Weller and like he, he lived in this like crappy college house that did shows in the basement. And like he had hurry come and play with his old band called Plainview, And, uh, and I remember like thinking like, Oh, this guy's so nice. And like, but like, they were kind of like, they, they were, they were a lot younger than me, not like substantially, but at least like, like what, like eight to 10 years younger than me. And, uh, but now they're like all doing their own thing. And, but like, I don't know, but now we're all working. I think that thing I talked about where like everything's gotten more pro, I feel like we're all sort of like existing in the same world now. Maybe it's because the internet has changed a lot too. Um, because like things were still pretty primitive during that emo revival time. Uh, it was still like a very MySpace-y world for, for most of that. Yeah. Um, so maybe because like, like Twitter and, and like Instagram, like everything is so homogenous now and everybody's sort of like so plugged in that, um, I feel like there's not as much separation between like young people and older people with that, with all of that anymore. But uh, also John Batiste at, at like XPN in Philly has like been an insane um, sort of like leader of, of the scene and like and like putting people into the spotlight that would never have been able to before. I don't know if you're like familiar with anything John does or, or like that radio station. I'm very familiar with the radio station. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. John John Batiste is like a saint. Basically, he's 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 one of the patron saints of Philadelphia. Um, because he just, he's so like open and interested and, um, give everybody a shot. And I think he, he's like single-handedly helping to keep like the Philly music scene going and like open people's ears to all the new stuff and connecting people. And, um, definitely a big, a big supporter of, of like hurry, like even for everyone everywhere broke up, he was like, um, putting hurry on the radio and like, and like treating it seriously before I even treated it seriously. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's it, it's always a cool place. I feel like that's like the summary of this entire conversation. <laughs> I like that. You're like, yeah, Philly's cool, man. I, there, look, there is something to that small town. And I, again, when a, when a band would say to me, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not, no one's paying attention. The, your town is going to have, at least five people that are down. There's going to be some place where there's shows, go find it and then start making shit and something's Mm going to happen. And it might be small or it might turn something big, but find somebody else. Yes, you can do it alone, but it's more fun when you got other people with you and you feel Mm -hmm. connected to. And I think 
Philly itself had that was ripe for that and um, I think is a, a perfect place to be in between DC and New York. Uh, you know, a little bit smaller, a little bit more manageable, and things like that can breathe a little bit. Um, and totally. so it's great that you were at that show and you saw those kids and those younger, you're like, oh my God, it's happening again. Like, how great is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And I don't even, I don't want to paint it as like me. I don't want to like, I definitely don't want people to think I'm coming at it from the place of like some sort of like elder statesman or something. And I'm like, no, but you're you technically kid. older. That's okay. Yeah, technically I'm I'm older and I look a lot older than they do. Uh, but but yeah, like and I don't want to mean I don't want to like be like those kids. Like I I don't want to like Not at all. You uh, you you're you're I think you're you're uh, not thinking uh, you're definitely not saying that. It's like you're excited that you saw this other band doing that same thing and you can almost see the trajectory again. Like it's like if Yeah, you, I think it was it feels good. I, I think it was sort of like it was comforting because it, I was seeing that at a time where everything's in a way, everything felt like it was ending for me. Um, even though I was like still trying and, and like, and, and still continue to try with, with hurry and, and having that exist. But I think, you know, when hurry started and everyone ever was ending, I was like, Whoa, okay. Uh, this is like, I don't know what's happening, but seeing that I was like, Oh, cool. Like, there's still, there's always something new, basically, you know, and, and there's always, there's always going to be a new scene and there's always going to be like exciting stuff coming from it. Um, and, but it's hard, you have to like be conscious enough to pay attention because it's easy, I think, to age out of it or something or, or like, or like stay stuck in like the scene you were from and, and not, uh, not like kind of keep your, your mind open to, to what like people a lot younger than you might be doing. Which is why I loved what you guys were doing then. And still to this day with all these bands is that there's great music playing. And if you're appropriating the word and you want to support the whole thing, you need to talk about Mm -hmm. the new bands because that's, that is the new punk is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, there's going to be another one and it all connects. And for to discredit it or to just be like, well, no, I'm only going to listen to these few years. You're selling yourself short and bands that you, you might like, but again, you're not going to win over everybody. So I don't think you're being negative about the, the younger kids. It is really ex- That's, I mean, I have an email specifically, I have a thing on my site specifically for music that kids send stuff to all the time. And it's awesome to hear because you can almost tell what's going to happen before it does because <laughs> of what you're being sent. Yeah, that's really cool. I think, and and yeah, and also like I think it should be said that like so many people from that emo revival thing in Philadelphia are in new bands now that like maybe people don't know about, but um, there's like they're, they're still doing cool stuff. It's just not similar to my experience. You know, it's just not necessarily reaching the same people because it's not as accessible maybe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's just been cool. How, how another thing that I just remembered was like how Pete from Algernon released the first hurry record on vinyl. Like, uh, the way these scenes sort of like continue to support each other has, has been really interesting. And, and we still like, I still play shows with like, you know, band people from, like Pete from Algernon's new band or like the guys from kite party's band or, 
um, like they all have new bands and, and we still play together. So it's this weird thing where it also feels like it never ended. We just all sort of changed a little bit. Which again, it's your, you're continuing to do that, but yeah, you're right. He, he's helping you with your record or the, you're, you're playing that show. It's, it's, that's, 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 that's a sign of some good people. Totally. <laughs> so what do you, is there anything with hurry that you're excited about or want, want people to know? Uh, I would like people to know that we are releasing a new record early next year. Uh, it's not announced yet, but it's going to happen. Um, and I'm excited about it. And I think, I don't know, as I, I'm really, I'm very excited about it. Um, and, uh, I don't know, just, uh, I would encourage anyone. I feel like a lot of people listen to the show. I would, I would just love it if they, if they listen to my, my stupid music. <laughs> noted <laughs> yeah listen to matt's music please <laughs> yeah i my stupid music and your stupid you were music. Very, you were very polite to edit that out but uh <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know i'm just trying to like uh, still do new things and uh i just i just finished uh working on a, a very exciting uh hurry iphone app that is not out yet but uh, it's going to really, I think it's going to blow some minds when it hits, hits stores and it, it's a uh, complete uselessness. Uh, but also, um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still cooking, cooking on some ideas. So, so you have an iPhone app coming. It's not out yet, but I, it does exist for the band. Yeah. Got it. But it's, it, but barely, uh, it's really more of a, a one giant joke that I'm just going to really commit to. I like that. Um, so yeah, it's, but, it's sort of like you know. my, is this band emo site? It's a total joke, but people take it seriously. Is that you? Yes. I didn't know that was you. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course it's me. You're and, like the Ted Turner of, of like, of new, uh, of emo. <laughs> what are you talking? No, first of all, no one knows who Ted Turner is. And then <laughs> that's yeah. listening. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I mean, you make that joke ten years ago, totally. But now, who else is a media? You're like uh, the Jeff Bezos of emo. That's fair to say. <laughs> Definitely not as rich. I'll tell you that. Uh, no, no. The is this band emo site was started as a joke, and then the idea to call it the emo council was just me trying to find out another way for it to just sound like it was a group of people, and people thought it was it. people thought it was real. So then I actually, people thought that was real. So then I actually assembled a real council. So technically there is a real council based on a fake assumption that I was just making a joke, but now there is one. That's incredible. (laughs) Is there like a, how, how extreme is the initiation ritual council? It's pretty much, I just, I tried to get a smattering of writers, bands, industry people, people that were in bands. It's like kind of like a cross-section of everybody. Wow. You're blowing my mind. I've been on that website. I know all about it. I was actually on it before. Well, you know, it's funny because like before you called me or like, uh, today, I was, I was on Twitter earlier today and I saw that if this site Nemo followed us on Twitter and I was like, oh, that's funny. They must be following us because... Um, because the washed up emo is like said we were going to be on it. 
but now it's it's not as funny now because it's just it's just all you. It's just me. <laughs> and it's I actually I actually unfollowed because I realized that I wasn't in my washed up emo account and I wanted to make sure I was following Hurry and it was in the is this Ben emo one and I only follow three things I think Discord I f- I think I only like follow oh. like three things because because that's kind of like the joke too. So I was in a really like privileged position for a second. Yeah, for some reason you you caught it right at the weird time where I accidentally thought I was in my other account. Wow. <laughs> so the but the funny thing is is how much how many Easter eggs are in there? Um there's like so many, like people's names, uh cities, uh there's so much stuff in there that I spent you know, I spent probably six months filling that. Really? Oh yeah. What can you give me a hint of like things that I should try to search for that might be funny? No. Um No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like there's just you when, people people have found them over time. Like I'll get like an email and they'll be like, I can't believe you have this in there, <laughs> you know, and it's like uh, I mean, a lot of current artists. So it's not just punk and emo. It's like you could find Britney Spears. Uh, like you can find oh, those wow. artists too, like Taylor Swift. Like all those kind of artists are in there. I just saw, I just searched Oasis. I found your Easter egg for Oasis. I like Coldplay. If you search Coldplay, that's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> and Nickelback. Nickelback and Coldplay are probably the two favorite ones. Oh wow, the Nickelback one or the Coldplay one is really good. <laughs> oh my god! So That's right, beautiful. there's just it's it's a little deeper than people realize. But That's the, cool. I didn't, I didn't know. But don't look at the bottom of the site though. What does it say? Hang on, scrolling down. Um, oh, it does say that you were made by. Okay, fine. Maybe I never scrolled down. <laughs> Maybe you never scrolled down. That's fine. I never, I don't, yeah. I, why, why would I ever feel that? Cool. All right. Well, um, well, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I'm like very excited to, to be a part of it and, and, you know, have my, have my place in, in your, your cabin, you know? When you're all alone, when I'm born at home, all I wanna do is waste my time with you. Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years. Or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And for this current episode you're about to hear, I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted volume one so you can order both check out the diy publishing at anthologyofemo.com